All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 9 o'clock in the Capital Region, uh, and we welcome in and uh, very happy to have in Chris Mason from Valley Sports South, uh, Nashville Predators analyst. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome to Sports 1440. How are things going in Music City? Go good. It's it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's going good. They, they didn't get off to the best start yesterday. They had a doubleheader uh, down in Florida playing against the Panthers, and they lost uh, both pretty pretty handily but uh you know i I think the the vibe around the team is really positive none of the the big guys played yesterday i think we'll see them tomorrow roman yossi um you know luke Luke shen mcdonough all all the big guys philip forsberg and kind of that kind of crew so uh ryan o'reilly a lot of great off-season acquisitions and i think barry trott's coming in uh the point of emphasis for him going into his tenure as a, as a GM here with the, with the Predators is he wanted to change the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, Nashville is going through a little bit of a shift, I guess, or a rebuild or whatever the, the word of the day. I, I know every team's got a different catchphrase for it, but a lot of the younger players uh, that came up at the end of the season performed really well. And I think, uh, you know, Barry Trotz's uh, vision was he wanted to bring in, you know, a new voice, uh, with Andrew Burnett at yeah. the, being the head coach, who's kind of a, you know, I'd say a more modern coach that wants to play that really aggressive, high-flying kind of offensive uh, team without compromising defense too much, but really high-paced, fast-paced type mm-hmm. of play. Uh, and then just bring in a lot of good character guys to support the, the leadership um, that they already have here with Roman Yossi and, um, you know, some of the core leaders on the team, bringing in Ryan O'Reilly, a guy who's, you know, one uh Sally Cop, who's just one of the most respected guys that plays the game, you know, in quotations the right way, uh, you know, with, with effort and kind of leaves it out there every single night to be a, a big influence on the younger players. Luke Shen, the same thing. And then, and, uh, and Nyquist, another one of those type of players to really surround the younger players here with those types mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, characteristics, kind of just to build that culture out and have something stick for years to come. Chris Mason, Valley Sports uh, color analyst uh, for the Nashville Predators, Predators is our guest. Uh, Chris, I, oh, I, I think you're you're going to really not like this when I say it, but uh, normally our uh, Tuesday co-host from nine to eleven is Grant Fuhr. And unfortunately, oh. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Unfortunately, Furzy's on his way um, to uh, do some work with the Coachella Valley um, Firebirds, and uh, he guests with us—not guests, he co-hosts every Tuesday, nine to eleven. So uh, you would have been talking with Furzy here for well, probably fifty. I'm sure I could have left the room again, but uh, oh man, well you have to have me back on one time. I'm abs- from Red Deer. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I know when you were growing up in Red Deer, was he one of the guys that, as a young young kid, because he, you know, when you started with you know in Prince George and came out of you know in the mid 90s you know Grant's career was kind of tailing off but how much did you follow Grant in the late 90s and stuff like that oh my growing up yeah. I mean I was Andy Moog and Grant Fear um, it, it's funny I, I was a Calgary fan I think just because uh-huh. my dad was from Calgary so I was more of a Calgary fan but Andy Moog was my favorite goalie along with Grant Fear I, I loved <laughs> hockey yeah and, uh, man, I would watch these guys, the, the Battle of Alberta and Edmonton, obviously, when you know, I was born in 76, so the, the 80s when they were, you know, going on their runs and their dynasty, you just watched the, you know, he, he was just, you know, he was an icon and, 
Andy Moog. So I, I that was my that was my childhood pretty yeah. much, just watching hockey and yeah. watching those guys. As soon as I, I I saw that you were confirmed for today, I'm gonna I went, oh man, Mace is gonna be so upset that Fierzy wasn't on today but yeah we'll get you on yeah we'll get you on again so when you were growing up in Red Deer Chris uh, as Chris Mason's our guest on the uh, Kevin Carey show 1440 sports uh, uh, who were some of the guys you know you played midget in in the Alberta Midget Hockey League now under 18 whatever you want to call it so uh, who were some of the guys that helped get you uh, to Prince George and then off to the National Hockey League yeah, I was, you know, I was never one of those kids that I would say is like a blue chip kind of a, a player that, you know, you, you look at kids sometimes you're like, oh, well, he's going to play in the Western League or he's going to go to the, you know, Alberta Junior Hockey League and then off to college. And, um, you know, I was one of those guys that was just slow and steady. And I, I really, you know, kind of prided myself on my work ethic and kind of a belief that eventually I could get there. And I had some, obviously, a lot of help along the way with people that supported me, my parents, obviously being number one, I think everyone um, that has any type of success needs a, a great support system and somebody to allow you to, you know, chase your dream. And, uh, you know, they were amazing. And I had some really great coaches along the way that, you know, there's always certain, I think, parts of a, a journey where you think, ah, uh, you know, I don't know if I can do it. Or there's a little bit of that self-doubt and people love to, help you you know accentuate that feeling instead of build you up but the people that are able to see something in your character Mm -hmm. or your abilities um, can kind of keep you moving and get you back and on that path you know especially of your own self-belief and there's a a coach that I had when I I didn't make uh, the Bantam AAA team (laughs) my second year so I played Bantam AA two years in a row and that's kind of when I, you know, really had a self-doubt. Am I going to ever play, you know, in the AJHL or the you know, next year's midget? Am I going to make midget AAA or, you know, am I not a AAA kind of player? And uh, his name was Jerry Van Summeren, and he was uh, uh, my coach there for the two years. And I think a lot of times he gets those kids that are in that AA that are maybe summer-driven and then some are just playing hockey for fun because it's travel and, you know, they don't want to see that as a future. So he, he was a major influence and uh, for me in my hockey career at that point in my life to kind of keep pushing and kind of, you know, keep going after my dreams and not going off the, you know, off the rails <laughs> a little bit as, you know, a kid at that age, you get your social life and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely, you know, I had others too, but he was a major uh, impact for me at that point in my career. Red Deer's Chris Mason is our guest this morning, uh, now color analyst with the Nashville, Nashville Predators on uh, Valley Sports. So uh, you had a, a great, a wonderful uh, NHL career, Chris. Did you know that you wanted to get into sort of the uh, broadcasting and doing the um, analyzing uh, early on, or how did it kind of fall into your lap? Uh, and, I mean, most of your career was in Nashville, so you had those ties, but how did that kind of come about for you? Uh, well, it's kind of funny, actually. You know, obviously when Nashville was uh, first in the league, you know, 98, uh, you know, whatever, the first kind of mm-hmm. decade, it was, it's not a traditional hockey market, so they would always try things. My boss now, Bob Cole, not that Bob Cole, but a different <laughs> one, K-O-H-L, yeah. uh, you know, he, he would, he asked me one time, he came up and said, uh, this is Thomas Volkunas here, and I didn't play a ton of games. He said, hey, would you ever mind if I put a headset on you in the third period and then you could, you know, talk to the booth, mm. um, you know, halfway through the third period and, and kind of, 
you know, get your insight from the bench or whatever. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, no problem. As long as it's okay with, you know, everyone else, I'm, I'm definitely down to do that. So we started doing that. And, and I think, you know, he had that idea. We're the first team to ever, to ever do that. And, uh, you know, after I, I was leaving Nashville, he was like, Hey, you know, if you ever, you know, once you, you know, done with hockey, if you ever want to, mm-hmm. you know, think about doing something in, you know, the analyst kind of field or whatever, let me know because we'd love to try out. And it just happened to materialize that when I retired, I moved back to Nashville and uh, he kind of kept in touch with me. Uh, I played a couple years in Europe after I, I left the NHL and he would always touch base in the summer and say, Hey, you coming back? We'd love to, you know, try out at this. And I didn't know. I, it was hard for me at first because I coached some youth hockey here and did some of that. You know, I didn't feel that, um, I guess, passion or it didn't feel that part of the, the competition, you know, bucket, I guess, on my, you know, list or whatever. But when I started to do that, I started to do it. I really, I grew to love it. And the people that are, that do this, uh, the play by play, the, you know, the tech people in the, in the truck and everybody that helps put this production in, it becomes your team. And just the passion that everybody has, it was really contagious for me. And now I love it. I just love it. And I can, you know, you can always get better at it. And I like watching other guys and how they explain things or how they demonstrate things. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun. And it's the best way to stay in the game. And uh, the game that's obviously given me everything that I I, I love. And it's a a, a deep passion of mine. So I, I feel very fortunate to have had this opportunity. Red Deer's Chris Mason is our uh, guest this morning on Sports 1440. Um, Chris, I was lucky enough uh, and fortunate enough to do Oilers color uh, as a fill-in guy from 03 to 2010. So a lot of the games were in Nashville uh, because at that time uh, the games were not all televised and Morley Scott would go over, that was doing color, would go over to do television pay-per-view. At that time, the games in Nashville weren't um, a hot ticket, let's just say, for yep. the the teams that were, you know, like the Oilers or whatever it was that were doing pay-per-view. Not all the games were on TV. So um, I kind of saw the Nashville market at the very start of things. But then to see it grow, and now you have had a, fir- a front-row seat to this. Uh, even again, when you were there starting your career in, in, in the late 90s, to see the hockey market grow in Nashville, what's that been like for you? It's been really, it's um, to look back to when it did start. And, you know, I guess a lot of people are like, hockey at Nashville, are you kidding me? It'll never work. <laughs> you know, and I, I remember when the team was first here, I didn't play the full season, but I got mm-hmm. caught, uh, called up for a couple months and, you know, got to do some of the PR events. And you had kids at the, the skates wearing football helmets on the ice and, you know, just all the, the, the typical stuff that you would expect. But the one thing that the Nashville Predators did and, you know, David Poyle and Barry Trotz and, you know, the whole organization said right from day one is we're going to connect with the fans and the people and be part of this fabric of this community, have our players accessible and really just build a, a, a tight knit bond with the team. And it really, you saw as the team started growing and getting better. And back then, you know, we didn't have very good hockey teams, but Barry Trotz somehow managed to, to find a way to get the best out of, out of what we had um, especially with the, the the salary cap back then in, in the days that the disparity was a lot different and uh, you know it, it, it can, and they continue to do that today and I remember when they were going to lose the team uh, Jim Balsillie was going to buy it and move it to Hamilton 
Um, everybody stood up for this team and, and fought to keep it here. And the players were buying suites and everybody you know, you had some limit that they had to get to to be able to, to keep the team. And, and they did that. And then I think with that, obviously you need to have success. They started getting good teams. They brought in Paul Correa, J.P. Dumont, uh, Peter mm-hmm. Forsberg played here for a little bit. You started to get some big names. They drafted really well. Shea Weber, Dan Hamus. You know, you have all these guys that come through the pipeline and all of a sudden you've got a, you know, a city that, that is connected with this team and a team that, you know, recognizes how important their fans and, and they, you know, this, this city is to them and they built a really good thing. And it's, uh, you know, it feels really good to have been a part of that, to look back, you know, to the very beginning to what it is now. And it's just a really, really solid uh, relationship and a foundation here in the city now. Predators color analyst Chris Mason is our guest this morning. Uh, how do you think uh, Barry Trotz is enjoying moving into the GM chair? I think he's. I think they, he's really embracing it, and I think they did a, a great thing by announcing it last season because, uh, you know, the, I think the, the fan base was getting a little stale with, you know, maybe the lack of uh, performance by the team uh, compared to the expectations. Uh, they'd had a, a core of players that had been together. And, you know, obviously we, Predators had that big run in 2017, the President's Trophy the next year. And then, you know, from then on, it's kind of been a little little touch and go. And I think that everybody wanted to, to see the organization go in a, in a new and a fresh direction. And last season was the same. It wasn't going great. It was kind of up and down. And you just, you know, a bubble team. And with the, the players that they had, they probably probably shouldn't be. And uh, so when they announced that, you know, David Poyle, who is, you know, the winningest GM of all time and one of the, you know, a legend, uh, a Hall of Famer in this game, um, he recognized that, you know, it, it's his time. It's time to to bring somebody in with fresh ideas. And th- there could have been nobody better to pick than Barry Trotz. And it was just amazing how, you know, the – uh, the energy and the feeling changed in the, within the fan base, and they started calling up all these younger players. They made some, you know, some big moves at the trade deadline. Obviously, you know, you guys got well, one of our best players in Matias Ekholm. Yeah, uh, was part of that. But you know, that was kind of it was the time for the Predators to do that, and and they were able to recognize that and then capitalize on you know really good assets, players you don't want to trade. They did not want to move Matias Ekholm, mm-hmm. but. You know, he had a lot of value, and, and you, they moved out uh, a few of those players and got some assets. And, you know, for men, it was the, it's the Barry Trotz era now, and it's, it's, it's exciting. And he's got a great vision. He's got some good mentors in David Poyle and Lou Lamorello, or probably his two that he's worked uh, closest with. But he's going to bring his own flavor. One thing about Barry Trotz that um, he really changed the, the game for me, and I think for players that he coached back in the era where. You know, it was uh, kind of the, I don't know, the, the iron fist uh, coaching styles, the Mike Keenan's, you know, who would go up and down the list of, of those guys that, that coach that way. Uh, but Barry Trotz is more of a, a connector, bringing yeah. people together. Um, we're in this together. You know, he cares about the players' well-being, their families, and he's just, uh, you know, he, he changed the, the view of what it was for a coach to me and for a lot of players, and I think he's going to, put his own spin on that uh, as a general manager as well. Yeah, you know, we were, we've been talking about all this this all morning, Chris, about uh, 
older generation, maybe older school coaches, some haven't been able to make that transition to the modern day and the player and communication. Uh, Barry Trotz uh, definitely has been able and has uh, done that. And you mentioned uh, Matthias Ekholm. What can Edmonton Oilers fans expect from Matthias Ekholm for a full season? We had a really good sample showing and a, a great performance last year uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs. But what do you think it'll be like to have him for a full season here? Oh, I think he's going to be, first of all, he's just an amazing human being. Um, him, his wife, his young children, he, he's just a quality person. Mm-hmm. He, he's the guy that, you know, you want. He's, he's a real, he's a great interview. You guys, have, I'm sure you've heard him after the games. He may have been interviewing himself. He, he's in a fantastic interview. He's very honest. He's got good uh, critique and analysis and, and just a really good uh, head on his shoulders. And I think people will really appreciate, you know, what he has to say because it's not just the, the old cliches coming at you all mm-hmm. the time. He's really thoughtful in his answers, and I think that goes a long way with the media, but also in the locker room with the guys, um, his ability to, to lead with his communication skills. He is a horse. Yeah. He's a big man. He can play against, you know, he, he's a shutdown guy. He can play against heavy minutes. You can put him on the power play. Um, he can really move for, for a big man. And, you know, his ability, one of the his strong suits, I say, on the offensive side of things is when he gets that, you know, puck back at the blue line, his ability to, to take it down the wall and really hold off the, the, the pressure, you know, once guys like uh, Dreisaitl or McDavid get open and he's able to, to hit those type of players, it, it's game over. So he, mm-hmm. he definitely has that uh, side to his game, too. And it, he's, not too, he's not high risk, so he's very... Uh, smart decision making when, when he yeah. decides to to jump in the rush or if, to take the puck down from the blue line and and start trying to attack offensively and then defense. I think he's he's one of those guys that really makes his partner better, the players that he's playing with, better and more efficient. You know, getting out of the zone yeah. because he's very vocal. He's the leader on the ice. He's always telling you know people where to be or what he's going to do, where he's at. He's just a really good uh, you know all around defenseman really good all-around uh, player and just you know a guy that you want on your team if you if you want to win mm-hmm. one last one for you chris mason um one of uh, edmonton's favorite sons uh, ryan smith is down in nashville now moved down there a few years ago do you ever do you ever bump into smitty down there once in a while i did more when he first moved mm-hmm. back but he's pretty busy uh his son's a really yes. good hockey player and, and ryan's been a, a big part of one of the hockey associations down here kind of you know, going up through the ranks with, with his son. So he, and I think his daughter helps out. They have uh, mm-hmm. an academy yeah. component uh, to their school as well. So you guys know what that's like, I'm sure. As soon as hockey season starts, it's uh, you don't see anyone unless you just happen to cross <laughs> paths, especially if you're on, uh, you know, different teams or different schedules. But, you know, every once in a while he'll come to games and we, I see him sometimes at, uh, you know, some of the uh, charity events that mm-hmm. we do here with the Predators and, and the alumni. So, get to see uh, Captain Canada every yeah, once in a while. For sure. Well, you you uh, represented our country too on the uh, international stage a few times. So uh, thanks for your time uh, today, Chris. Uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the preseason. I, and, and you're like probably everyone else can't wait for the regular season to get going here. I know. I want to just fast forward. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Kevin. Yeah.
next time I'd love to, to we, chat with Fury. <laughs> I'm just going to say, we will have Grant Fury on with you one of these days coming up uh, on a Tuesday. Again, he, he's our co-host every every Tuesday, 9 to 11, and he's just been f- phenomenal. And as you say, you know, another goalie doing uh, color commentary. He's been, this is his second year with the Coachella Valley, and he enjoys it, man. He loves That's it. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's what it's all about. And he, what a what a treat that would be to learn from somebody like uh, like Grant Fury, yeah. man. Well, again, well, yeah, we'll have the two of you on uh, coming up in the future here. Okay, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. That's uh, Chris Mason, Valley Sports South uh, analyst for the Nashville Predators. A wonderful career in the NHL and um, Red Deer roots. uh, Very proud to be an Albertan and doing a great job uh, in Nashville uh, with the Predators on their color analysts. Uh, Still to come, uh, we will check in with Terry Vaughn, former double-year CFLer. Uh, and Jason Chimera coming up uh, at 10.20 as well. So Terry Vaughn, 9.40, Jason Chimera, 10.20. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 14.40. All right, welcome back to the big program, 9.27. Uh, that's uh, Toto. Hey, Duke. Uh, Rosanna. It always reminds me of uh, Rosanna, Rosanna Dana from, I think, Saturday Night Live. Was that SNL? I don't know. Um, text coming in, one 401 uh, In the early 90s, just after Fierzy was playing in Calgary, he was the Calgary Stampede Parade. Uh, he was in the Calgary Stampede Parade, and he was bumping around on a horse. It was pretty cool to see him, and everyone loved him. Um, you know, could you could just hear the disappointment in Chris Mason's voice, Duke, when uh, we said uh, Grant Fear was not on today. I mean, he was, like, just devastated. I think any goaltender or hockey player that grew up playing net or even yeah. not even limited to goalies that grew up in Alberta during um, that kind of time. And like I said, even uh, a guy like Chris kind of caught the tail end of Fierzy's career, but still um, iconic and, and such a legend in the province as a whole and as well as a local guy too. It, mm-hmm. it kind of just adds to the lore that much more. So uh, We were talking a little bit about um, the Solheim Cup, LPGA not marketing Promoting its players. Texter uh, Imitation Tom uh, writes in, do I think that women's sports should be promoted more? Absolutely. But the reason men's leagues are so successful is because men's, men support them. Women need to support women's sports uh, for it to work on a larger scale. Men make more in sports because uh, men's sports makes more money. Women actually make a much higher percentage than men, which is true in a lot of sports. But um, again, I, I don't get the whole fact that Barely anyone was watching the Solheim Cup and the ratings show it. Everyone, uh, I get it that it was in, in Europe and things like that. Maybe the ratings for the Ryder Cup will be down too. Not sure on that. Uh, Chris Mason, he's a, he's a real beauty. So we'll have to book him on again when Grant Fuhr's available. Um, boy, Barry Trotz has a lot of, a lot of things to clean up in Nashville. Um, Matt Duchesne bought out. And he's on the books for a long time. Two and a half million this year, five and a half million next year, six and a half million the following year. Then it drops off to a million and a half. This is courtesy Cap Friendly. Kyle Turris, again, came to the Oilers after so many years in Nashville. He's on the books for two million uh, this year, next year, the following year, the following year. And the following year, five years of a buyout on Kyle Turris. Dead cap, Ryan Johansson, 
four million this year, four million next year. Uh, Matthias Ekholm and part of that trade with the Oilers, uh, Matthias Ekholm, uh, the Predators have a quarter million that they're paying on Matthias for the next three years. Uh, Philip Forsberg's on injured reserve in Nashville. They have a lot of guys um, that are, well, depending on Philip Forsberg, but a lot of guys that are on the books that is not a good thing. Uh, Roman Yossi is the, makes the most in, in Nashville. He's making $9 million a year. Their forward group, if you take Philip Forsberg out of the mix, Ryan O'Reilly's four and a half. That's their highest paid player. Interesting. Uh, interesting in uh, Nashville for sure. Oilers with the day off today, 5 nothing last night in Winnipeg. Shout out, Laurent Brassois, 26 saves. Uh, Jay Woodcroft did say after the game that he was happy with the effort, did uh, run out of steam or gas, as he said it in the third period. one nothing after 40 minutes, 2 nothing after uh, 50 minutes, let's call it, and then uh, three goals in the back half. Bo Aiki sent down to Barry yesterday. So he will get things going in his uh, uh, junior career. Uh, did you read the article, uh, Duke? Mike Zeisberger, NHL.com, had an interview with Sidney Crosby. Did you get a chance to have a look at that one? I think it's probably two days now. I think he might have done it on Sunday. No, or... I must have missed that okay. over the weekend. Uh, Sidney Crosby says, uh, not well, he, he would not be surprised if Connor McDavid racked up 170 points this year. 170. That's a big number. Uh, the last guy to crack 170 was Mario I believe in the late 90s that's a large number but Crosby said nothing would surprise him uh, so that's we're basically looking at two points a game and then some obviously you have to stay healthy and Connor McDavid has done that for the last few years I kind of side with Sidney Crosby I, nothing that uh, Connor McDavid does anymore really surprises it's just it's just, you know, we're so privileged to have a guy watch watch a guy like this on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, he is worth the price of admission and then some um, every day. Uh, Oilers are home to Vancouver. I would, as Speck said, I would imagine uh, that Connor McDavid and or Leon Dreisaitl will see their first preseason action. Canucks were pounded 10 nothing, Pounded 10 nothing the other day. Uh, what did you think of uh, Rick Tockett's line about Sean Payton? That was a great laugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's preseason. You can put a little bit of stock into it. Of course, a ten nothing game. That's uh, that is worth noting, even if it is still preseason. But uh, to be able to have the levity to kind of you know poke a little fun at yourself and recognize the fact that yeah, we were not good today. I think that's just going to endear talk it even more to the fan base. Uh, we did have one texter yesterday saying that Vancouver <laughs> needs to fire everybody. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was a little perplexed by that because once again, it is just the first game of preseason. I think you can uh, relax a little bit and wait till at least maybe a quarter way through the season before you want to fire the entire management and coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Terry Vaughn's going to guess with us uh, coming up at 940. Uh, a little before your time, I think, just a tad, but he also uh, was owner of uh, part owner of one of the great restaurant bars in town, TVs, Terry Vaughn's. Uh, it was downtown. Kind of got caught in there a few times. I, you know what? I never got a chance to talk to Chris Mason about uh, Broadway and how... Broadway has just kind of enveloped, uh, you know, Bridgestone Arena and all the fans. There are so many Oilers fans that go down to Nashville now, and you can see them in the stand. And they they totally love 
that road trip. And if they carry on to wherever it is, I think the Oilers have an early trip uh, to Nashville right off the hop. But the Oilers fans absolutely love Nashville. Have you ever been down there? Never. Uh, on my, like list of places that I want to go it is high on it and something that I'm like kind of pining for over the next couple of years there's some a uh, little bit of talk mm-hmm. about some MLB expansion or at least maybe even some relocation whether it be the White Sox uh, Rays looking like less and less so now but you know a team in Nashville mm-hmm. a baseball team in Nashville to make a trip down to watch some Jays games there um, to have a little trip in the late summer or something that would be awesome I Na- think. Nashville sounds one of the most popular most successful AAA franchises in baseball yeah unbelievable um the atmosphere is just incredible there uh the football stadium is just across the bridge uh bridgestone arena is right uh, block and a half from broadway it's just a very it's like ice district technically with a football stadium but a little more uh, a little more pizzazz in the nightlife i guess you could say because of broadway uh tootsies is there the stage tootsies is wild you know the stage is wild uh, Oilers play their third game of the regular season in Nashville. Uh, that's just a t- very quick two-game road trip in Nashville and then in Philadelphia. So uh, start things off on October 11th uh, with uh, Vancouver uh, on the West Coast and then Vancouver's here. And then th- uh, those are tough, tough trips. Those just two little gamers out east, but uh, we'll see how things shake down there. Uh, when we come back, we will check in with uh, former double ear and the newest member of the... Elks, Eskimos, Wall of Honor, uh, the double E Wall of Honor. Let's just call it that before people start freaking out again because I said that other word on the very first day of the of the broadcast here on 1440. Terry Vaughn was outstanding for the green and gold between 1999 and 2004. We will check in with TV when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, coming up to 940 in Edmonton, looking for a high of, wow, it's just, a, man, it was smoking hot overnight, 16 degrees, wake up, uh, 20 degrees, it's uh, not a bad day, uh, Mark Spector even taking advantage of it, golfing today at the quarry, nice to see, uh, we're just trying to hook up with Terry Vaughn, um, what a, you know, I mean, he's one of the top receivers in CFL history, and there's no doubting that. Uh, Vaughn was um, inducted into the Double E Wall of Honor, and I guess we're, it's almost a month ago. I guess it was. Uh, yeah, it was uh, when the uh, Elks took on Ottawa. So it was last uh, last uh, Sunday, August twenty seventh. Now that I'm kind of looking at it, so um, spent six years with the Green and Gold. Terry Vaughn did was uh, the forty second player to earn the club's highest honor. So, um, I mean, wonderful career. Came to Calgary, or came from Calgary to Edmonton. And he always said that was one of the toughest uh, things that he had to do because, I mean, the rivals, the rivalry, yeah, the Labor Day Classics. 2003 was just an absolute gong show with uh, what we've talked about. We've had Ed Hervey on the show earlier uh, to talk about that, what happened in 2003 with Davis Sanchez and things like that. So uh, Terry Vaughn was... uh, Front row and center, and uh, actually, I was texting uh, Ricky Ray yesterday because he's he will be coming on the show uh, in the next little while too. He was in a golf tournament today. I was going to try to have Ricky Ray, and uh, we're going to try to have Ricky Ray and Terry Vaughn together. Uh, but Ricky Ray was in a in a golf tournament today. But 
Um, Terry Vaughn came uh, here to Edmonton and just fit right in. And I mean, between Jason Moss and Ricky Ray and the quarterbacks, uh, they just had an amazing, amazing chemistry right from the very beginning. Vaughn, uh, all six years he was in Edmonton, caught a thousand yards. It was a thousand yard receiving for the double E. So he's right up there in all the uh, franchise records for. Uh, most receiving yards, most consecutive 1,000-yard season. That's uh, six that he had, and most receptions in a season. Uh, he also, uh, 275 receiving yards in a game. Amazing. Uh, right now, Terry Vaughn is, uh, I believe he helps out as a parole officer uh, in the United States. He's been uh, doing that for several years. Whenever you talk to him, and you, it, once we get a hold of him, his, the first thing that Terry Vaughn that you will hear probably come out of his mouth is team. He'll say, wow, we had a great team. We had a great team. I was part of the great team. That's what makes players great because he is was and is one of the first guys that would always shoulder criticism, shoulder the blame, but then pass off accolades. I'm betting that he's probably on working on a case right now because we're having trouble getting all of them. You say it's going straight to voicemail, Duke? Yeah, I just sent him a quick text yeah. uh, just to make sure he's good to go with us. If uh, maybe we have to yeah, we, push him into the top of the hour, then that's more than all right. We've got some some open line mm-hmm. here. Uh, yes, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get a hold of Terry Vaughn. If you got a text uh, for Terry, uh, send it our way, 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. NFL, Thursday nighter, you mentioned Detroit. Green Bay. Um, what do you like? I like, uh, I think Detroit's probably, I'm going to take Detroit. I don't even know what the spread is in that Duke, but I'm going to take Detroit. I'm thinking Green Bay's kind of pulled out a few here and have not looked great. I think Detroit's probably looked a little bit better. Detroit could very easily be 3-0, and uh, lost in overtime to Seattle. So some interesting matchups. What about the uh, Chicago-Denver game? It, uh, Are is you a, really it looking is a forward to that? It is a testament to how bad the Bears have been <laughs> because in that game, the 0-3 Broncos are favored by three and a half points. The 0-3 Broncos, how, how, that can't be true, is it? It is true. Um, and uh, just to go back to your original point, yes, the Lion, Lions favored by a point and a half on Thursday night looking okay. like a, just about a pick them for the most part. Um, but Lions on the road, though, in that game to be favored is a... Uh, um, maybe something to keep note of, but I, I think the Lions are a better team. We saw not a great Jordan Love this past week, and he showed up in the fourth quarter to kind of lead mm-hmm. that great comeback. But I uh, I like the Lions. I like their offense, and the Packers a little dinged up still as well. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm excited <laughs> to go out to the uh, the Canadian Brew House and watch that game as I do every Thursday night. But, yeah, that Bears-Broncos game, yeah, I don't know if I'll be tuning into that one for a second. That's an 11 o'clock start. They're not going to put it into primetime? Yeah, push uh, it into six twenty. Thank goodness that you're not allowed to f- start flexing games until uh, I believe week five or maybe later. Because yeah, I'm sure this one will be the top of the list to get into Sunday night football um, in in place of the Seahawks and Giants here. Yeah, so that's uh, Denver at Chicago. The 
Broncos coming off one of the worst losses in NFL history. It's that simple. Um, 70 to 20. 70 to 20. Miami pounded them. Uh, Denver <laughs> Denver failed to cover as a six-point underdog. Well, just by a little bit. Eh? Just a, uh, Only a minor amount. Uh, Bears are also coming off that blowout loss where the biggest story uh, uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs was Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Um, so... It's going to be a game where I don't think a lot of mm, a lot of uh, eyeballs will be on that one. Broncos and Bears last played in 2019, if you can remember that, and the Bears won 16-14. Uh, this will be uh, Justin Fields' first start against Denver. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson will make his fourth career start, all while a member of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know anything else really catching your eye as far as uh, week number four goes. Uh, I'm just scrolling down the slate mm-hmm. right now, and the um, Chiefs and Jets, um, the, uh, or pardon me, I'd said Seahawks-Giants before. That's the Monday nighter. Yeah. Chiefs and Jets is the Sunday nighter, excuse me. And that looks like, uh, by all accounts, it should be a blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets need to, they say, they've they reaffirmed that they're sticking with Zach Wilson for the time being, uh, but even uh, Joe Namath come out lambasting <laughs> Wilson, saying that that is yeah, not, that. not a good idea. And... Uh, That was tough to watch, that Jets offensive versus the Patriots on Sunday. Um, Raiders and Chargers, AFC West matchup. See if the Chargers can kind of keep their momentum going. Uh, Otherwise, Dolphins-Bills, a big divisional matchup as well. The undefeated undefeated Finns and Buffalo, of course, a team still with uh, championship aspirations. Looking to uh, a win there will go a long way to um, keeping them in contention for the division title. And, uh, of course, the one seed being of all importance now in the playoff race. So that one uh, should have some extra juice on the line. Uh, Joe Namath was on the Michael K show in New York on, well, yesterday, and just ripped um, Zach Wilson. I didn't take anything positive positive out of it at at all. It was awful. Namath was uh, irked by Wilson's uh, decision to sit down for a sack. Uh, You sit down on a play. Uh, you go right down. What happened? I thought you were trying to win and make plays. Uh, disgusting. So Namath not very happy. Um, there, another a really good documentary uh, with the Jets and Joe Namath. Uh, have you ever seen? That's a two-parter on Joe Namath. He obviously have, had a reputation for enjoying the nightlife in New York as a quarterback for. I mean. Uh, you know, Broadway Joe. You can't be. You can't get any more than that. Anyway, there was a, a New York police officer that was watching him come out of a nightclub in New York at about three or four in the morning on a Saturday, and then the Jets played that day in the afternoon. And he went, "I can't believe this. I mean, I'm I'm on shift. This this police officer. I'm on shift. I'm watching Joe Namath come out. I see him stumble out." Uh, with maybe a companion or two. And this police officer uh, ended up going and placing a bet on the opposition because he said, there's no possible way that Joe Namath can do anything. Namath threw for three TDs, Jets won. Joe Namath, the hero. Uh, when he when he came off the field and he remember he had that big number one banana finger when uh, they upset the Colts in uh, in the late 60s in the Super Bowl. Amazing. Good interview. And he, like, I mean, all, that's another documentary. Duke, you got to get on these documentaries. 
I, I like I said, I'm a big documentary guy, uh, but the replacements is still number one on my list. Uh, so all these other ones are going to have to take a back seat once I find the the free time here to get uh, get through my watch list of things. I will add that one to it. But all of a sudden, my list is growing quite long. I mean, I like right now they're just meant. It's a mental list. I think I'm actually <laughs> going to have to start physically writing this down, or else I will forget. Uh, I have a great memory. It's just really, really short. So, <laughs> so you got the replacements. You've got Untold, the, I believe it's the race of the century. Today, 1983, so 40 years ago, the Australian entry, Australia 2, defeated the United States in the America's Cup. Never done, never been done before, never. Great documentary on that on Untold on Netflix. So that's two. Dancing with the Stars tonight. That, you know, you're not watching that, are you? <laughs> I don't even know where I would watch it. I, I, I don't have cable. Oh, you can figure that out. You can watch that. Dancing with the Stars, there's got to be enough where... You, there's got to be somewhere where you, where you can find that. Probably not live. I would have to maybe wait uh, for later in the week, whatever. Because what channel does that even air on? ABC? ABC, yes. So maybe, uh, well, can I find it on Disney Plus later in the yeah, week? Uh, you'll, you'll be able to find it anywhere. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, ranked number 11 on my list. Season 10, he placed fourth. Hmm. I did, and uh, did you know Aaron Andrews was in it? ESPN's well, and well, Fox. Uh, Aaron Andrews was in it. Mm. I remember that now too. Ah, man, Warren Sapp. Probably, it's, it's an extensive list. It, it really, is. really. Jason is. Taylor. Uh, who did you? Heinz Ward was another one that I re- remember. I don't know. Dancing with the Stars. If you've got a favorite. Please text us as we await Terry Vaughn trying to stretch things out here. 1-833-401-1440. I don't know. There's a lot on this list. I don't know what list you've got punched up, but, I mean, there's amazing athletes. Amazing athletes. wonder how – I don't really remember uh, Lawrence Taylor. But uh, Lawrence Taylor was in season eight, it says. Uh, Taylor's season was stacked with athletes. He competed against Olympic gymnast Sean Johnson, rodeo champion Ty Murray, and former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader Melissa Rycroft. No wonder he... You know, Sugar Ray Leonard, there's another one. T.O.? Yeah. Chris Jericho. WWE superstar Chris Jericho. You'll be watching this tonight. I, I'm betting you do. Uh, well, I think that's a bet you're going to lose, Kev. Um, <laughs> there is, a, there, believe it or not, there is some other things to watch tonight. I'm not quite that desperate. We're we're getting into the heat oh. of sports season, so I'm not exactly clamoring for uh, for something to check out. Uh, Terry Vaughn just phoned me. I'm just going to hand the phone off to the Duke. He'll talk to Terry, and we'll we I will we will check in with Terry. I think at the top of the hour, probably. We've got some open time at ten o'clock. So, um, Terry's working right now. Um, I'm glad it's probably you know what because it's probably Eastern time, so he'll probably just get him ready for his lunch break. So, uh, let's listen to the Duke. Yeah, we're going to check in with Terry Vaughn at the top of the hour. So, Terry Vaughn, top of the hour. Jason Chimera at ten twenty. And more dancing with the stars. I mean, it's just we've turned this into just a an absolute. Uh, well, I mean, the ratings tonight are going to be massive in in Edmonton. 
Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be Dancing with the Stars? Yeah, any other reality shows you? I mean, you don't you don't have time. You don't even have time to watch replacements. The yeah, reality shows this summer. I will say, I tuned into um, on CTV Farming for Love. It's kind of, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like The Bachelor, except oh, um, they have a bunch of different uh, eligible or bachelor and bachelorette farmers, and a group of people come out to their farms I, and they, uh, they kind of work their way through it over the summer it was it was about what you expect from like canadian reality tv i really enjoyed it i don't think it was particularly good television but it was worth a good laugh here and there um <laughs> and then it kind of got me because last fall when they were taking applications for it for people like not to host but yeah. to be one of the daters yeah um i sent in an application for one of my good friends oh. and uh, without him knowing and he like got through the initial process but then of course they were filming it during like september october and kind so of harvest is well you know. that's a, and so he said he when he's on the phone with these producers saying like i can't come and do that at this yeah. time like a, i have my own harvest to do so i don't know if there was too many real hardcore actual farmers <laughs> going to the show they were going the the farmers hosting of still uh, of course still carried on with their harvests and whatnot but yeah. yeah it was uh it was a good that was about the only reality tv show i've ever actually watched like episode one through the end of a season well I think our texters are going to say, Duke, why aren't you applying for this show? I mean, you know, I think there's a situation here. I mean. Too busy here running the I mean, show, Kevin. Come on, man. I mean, this is this has got, you know, the, the Duke of Delbert's written all over farming with love. There's no doubt about it. Uh, man, we've been going off the rails here for about 10 minutes. Uh, we'll try to get it back on at the top of the hour with Terry Vaughn. Uh, the latest double ear to uh, be inducted into the Green and Gold Wall of Honor. He'll join us at the top of the hour. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Here's the Duke with a sports update.